Hey, Freethinkers, welcome or welcome back to Subtle Rampage Podcast, where I am once again having Dr. Michael J. Schwartz on the show. Those of you who have been doing your conservative slash freethinker duty and keeping up with this podcast will remember that I had Dr. Schwartz on the show back in September to discuss his book, Fauci's Fiction, which contains all of the data that Dr. Schwartz was able to collect on what the 2020 situation actually looked like, what some of the measures that people were taking actually did or did not do. Um, as I've stated before, Dr. Schwartz owns multiple testing clinics here in the U.S., and he has a pretty solid grasp on all of this stuff, so when I had the opportunity to get him on the show again, I was like, um, yeah, obviously, let's do it. Uh, so in this episode, we briefly cover the uh, uptick in respiratory illnesses that China is experiencing in this uh, winter season here. And then we get into some of the U.S. government and media continue narrative on the 2020 stuff. And um yeah, and then we get into some casual conversation about our opinions on the current GOP presidential candidates and some of the exciting new ventures that Dr. Mike is going into in the conservative right-leaning realms. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I hope you stick around for the whole conversation. Let's get into it. Warning, the following program contains critical thinking, honest opinions, viewpoints on culture that may seem conservative, and a positive view on absolute detestable things such as marriage and children. Listener discretion is advised. So as I probably said in uh, my post-recorded intro already, I've had Dr. Michael Schwartz on the show before, episode number 32 of the podcast, How the Government Mishandled COVID-19, We Didn't Need the Mandates. It was an incredibly interesting conversation. You guys should go check it out. Share it with your family and friends. It has all the stuff that the YouTube and the meta algorithms absolutely despise. So go do that. Um, Mike, I am super stoked to have you on again. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I always love being here. So I hear you have some information or some opinions about this new bacterial strain out of China. Well, it's not it's not that much to talk about, but I mean, you know, everybody is starting to ask about it in the office and around town and on interviews. It's really nothing that big. It's a it's a mycoplasma. It's something that we've been testing for for many, many years. I guess the biggest thing to, to understand about it is it's resistant to azithromycin, a ZPAC. And it, young kids don't usually get that. They get augmentin. Uh, but kids over 10, uh, ZPAC is one of the more common antibiotics prescribed for this. So it is resistant to that. You can treat it with other things. Uh, it is, it is, you know, very, very treatable with other antibiotics. So once you treat it, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's really a non-starter, but everybody's asking about the white lung, which is, you know, what they're seeing on the x-rays. You can get that with any respiratory pathogen. And when, when fluid settles in your lungs, you're going to get the white patches on the x-ray. Um, but it, I don't know, I guess people, because it's out of China and now we're seeing pockets here, everybody's starting to freak out. The good thing the, the one thing that you really, really need to know is it's not novel. It's not like COVID where it was coming out. We didn't know how to treat it. This is very treatable, very easy to do with and, and people that you know what most people need to know is they shouldn't freak out about well yeah because i've been seeing all the like the news stories come through right and um, most of them are on like cnn health and you know all, all of the news outlets that i don't typically tend to trust um but you know i they they are saying you know oh well it's not anything new it's just you know a, a super 
a, a spike in respiratory illness breakouts, but it's not, it's nothing that we haven't heard of before. It's all like the flu and pneumonia and probably COVID, I would assume. But yeah. COVID's so. up. I just had an RSV tonight on an adult uh, that I just had a call a little while ago that you don't typically see with adults. It's, it's you know, more well-known in kids, but mm -hmm. a lot of adults with RSV, there's stuff out there. You got to test for it and see what it is. This patient, rather than just guessing, it was either a cold or a flu or COVID. She came in for a, a you know a respiratory pathogen panel that we talked about. We isolated what it is. And it's important to know that too, because the reason we do respiratory pathogen panels, and I want to stress this to your audience, you know, go to a doctor who's reputable because we put this patient on antibiotics yesterday as, as a precautionary treatment, thinking it was bacterial, but we got the report back tonight. It's viral. Um, one of my practitioners probably going to take her off that uh, antibiotics is going to number one is going to do no good, but number two, we want it to work when, uh, when she needs it most, we don't want to develop antibiotic resistance. Well, like I know you said that it's nothing to worry about, but I have been hearing some, um, some sort of speculative conversations because we did have the whole COVID ordeal, um, of, because we're talking about pneumonia. Uh, I guess there's been reports of them seeing a lot of pneumonia in kids, um, and so people are kind of speculating. They're like, okay, well, is, is the next thing that they're going to pull on us something like this, that's going to affect or target mainly children so I that talk about the political side of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 We didn't really get to go there last time. And you know, I'm on your side politically. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't write about it in the book because you know, you want to give people the data, but now that it's out there, let's go politics on this. I mean, yeah, why not? You know, it, you, you hear so much stuff yesterday was, or two couple of days with the Colorado taking Trump off the ballot. It's always something like what, what is going to come that we don't, we don't really know what's tomorrow, but as far as healthcare is concerned, I had a client call me today and asked to do COVID testing on site again. And we're like, well, we can't because you need the cares act expired. So you can't just go in and COVID test anybody. You have to have a medical necessity. So there are people out there who are hearing the same rumblings that you hear on the news. And, and you could usually tell what channel somebody's watching because, mm -hmm. it, but you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. I, you know, I, I would expect that in the next year, they're going to make a play for mail-in ballots somehow. So we'll see what it is. If it's the next, you know, pandemic down the line. I mean, that worked really well for them last time. And uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to use that because most people have caught up to the nonsense at this point. I think, the majority of the population has said, okay, that th this was enough. We went too far. You know, we, we should have known this stuff and they would have known if they talked to me because um, we had been telling everybody this since, you know, April of 2020. But um, yeah, I mean, where, where are we going in this country? It's getting absolutely nuts. They're doing everything in their power to keep Trump either off the ballot or not run because I think they realize with the polls now that he he's head to head, he's, he's winning. Um, you know, he's beaten DeSantis. Even Nikki Haley is beaten. Um, uh, and DeSantis, I think, are beating uh, Biden in a in a general election. But Trump, you know, he was the, the outlier because he had so many people vote against him last time, I guess. Uh, I hate to say that. You know, I voted for him, of course. Uh, and, and I think they thought maybe he was the best shot. And now they're thinking maybe, you know, they got to do whatever they can to get him off the ballot. So who knows? But but this thing in China is not it's it's it, China and the news outlets probably did some of the damage here because these kids that are getting sick, their immune systems are probably out of whack from being locked up this entire time. They went nuts in China. I mean, some draconian rules in China. So these kids immune system, they haven't been out for the most part and mingling with other people over the last three years. They had a, you know, a, a, what was it? What was a policy in China? The zero zero COVID or whatever it is called. I think so. Well, they Zero probably, COVID policy. Yeah, but they probably cause most of what's going on. Right now. 
Well, that that was that was my first thought when I when I was looking into this originally. I was like, you know, uh, they're they're saying it's like this is the first winter since uh, COVID restrictions have loosened up in China that you know people and then people are experiencing all this sickness. And I'm like, yeah, go figure. I mean, you've been you've been all locked up, okay? You've been away from all these people, and then you go back out and you start doing things again, and you're not you know doing taking all these measures to keep yourself away from people. Of course, you're gonna get sick. Um, and if you've not been getting sick, your body's not used to it, and it's gonna suck a little bit. It might suck a lot, but <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I, I just I, I didn't think it was too terribly um, out of line to expect that there might be a spike after people not being out for so long. Getting a huge spike in COVID here. I don't know mm-hmm. if we talked about it on your last show. I don't remember. I, like I, I do so many interviews. Yours was a, a really good one though. You have so much, you, you took the time to read through the book and really pay attention and ask relevant questions. And I wrote the book for, for the audience. I didn't write it for me. I mean, because I really want to explain this stuff to the public so they understand this. But did I explain in, on the show last time how the COVID numbers disappeared, uh, how the government made, made them disappear? Yeah, I think so because I think I think we talked about it um, because I like I'm pretty sure we talked about it. I don't know. I've talked about it with so many people too. I I just know like that that they they were inflating the numbers and they were putting everything like with the flu and the pneumonia. Like they had all of the numbers grouped together for the longest time, and I I don't even. Well, not my numbers. I mean, we could tell if you not te- your numbers. Well, if you <laughs> tested with us, we knew you had COVID or the flu. <laughs> to be like I mentioned today, but the simple way they made the numbers disappear is kind of like this client who called me today and they wanted us to come in and test. We can't. Um, so before the CARES Act existed, it's just like right now, you had to have a symptom in order to test for COVID. So 90%, if you remember my data, 90% of my positive cases, 85 to 90%, didn't have a classical symptom, right? And there's a couple of things to unpack here because symptoms are not just observable, but they're sometimes just reportable. In other words, if you come into my office and you're not coughing, and I, that is a, a classical symptom that you would expect from COVID, right? That's what most people think. They have to have a cough, a fever, shortness of breath. And I explained to that patient after a half hour that the most common symptom of COVID is a headache. And then that patient says to me, well, wait a minute, I have been having these nasty headaches for the last week. And you're thinking, okay, well, there it is. Most people don't understand that. They have to understand that that's a, that's 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 a sign of COVID too, right? When you have a headache, that's the most important thing. Then you have you know you have fatigue. So when people hear asymptomatic, they they make a couple of assumptions. They make assumptions that that uh, PCR testing doesn't work when it it absolutely does, and I can prove it to you. Um, they make that assumption right away when they when they think that there's classical symptoms. But you need a symptom in order to test. So when the CARES Act came out, you can get a test anywhere you wanted. You could walk in off the street and say, I was exposed to my roommate's brother on the phone and I want to test and I'd have to give you one. So this is what happened. You had, you know, if you see my finger here. So you had a, this level here of, of, of symptomatic people testing and then everybody could test and all of a sudden it went like this, went off the charts. Then all of a sudden the rapid test came out because this took a couple months to get out. Those don't get reported. Then the numbers come down here. Then all of a sudden... The CARES Act expired and you need now a symptom to test it. The numbers went back down here. So they're artificial. They went they went exponentially high when you can test everybody in the country at once to see who has it. But then the numbers that don't get reported at the rapids, it comes down artificially. And now they're back down to you got to have a symptom. So I had to turn that client down today because I can't just come in and test asymptomatic people. If I did. I would find a whole bunch of people who have it because COVID is still running around rampant. And that's another conversation that, you know, you're, you need to have your audience with me or whoever about the origins of where this thing came from. We have data that that points to a lab leak theory. 
not just a you know some zoonotic nonsense they that they tried to steer you down this road so that Fauci could misdirect you. Well, we have evidence that shows it came from one singular point um, on this planet, and, and and you can tell that with the natural immunity and you know how long that lasted and multiple mutations. There's a big there's a lot to unpack with COVID. It didn't it come from the Wuhan lab, isn't it? My my no, bet no. is yeah. If you look at the data, Adelia, you got the um. That they had traffic um, videos of uh, or or satellite pictures of the lab, and there was traffic one day, and then the next day that the cars were not in the parking lot. It was completely empty. It was like it was like night and day. And then I think the three patients that were ground zero, the first three people that died, were from and worked in the Wuhan lab. So I mean, it's like come on. I mean, the circumstantial evidence, but it's pretty strong. Yeah, I remember the the first like because at, at first everybody's like, oh, it came from bats, oh, it came from here. But you know, you know, just saying it generally came from China, right? And um, and then I remember the day that I first like heard like somebody or I read somebody talking about how it came from the Wuhan lab, and um, I was like at a friend's house and their mom had them doing some work and so I couldn't do anything I was just hanging out being bored and uh she handed me this magazine it has all these like articles from around the world or whatever and there was this article in there on how COVID came from the Wuhan lab and stuff and so I was just I just sat there and read through the whole thing and I was like but I hadn't heard it anywhere nobody was talking about it that much yet um because people were just starting to put that out there and I was like interesting i have no idea if this is true because i have no idea if any of this is true yeah. it just it just keeps going there's just more stories every day about all this random stuff but um speaking of random stories i i want to talk about a couple of uh snippets from some articles that i've read um because they they came out with that uh new well they came out but there was a new covid variant you know there's always a new covid variant um uh, what back in september the JN1 or whatever. Okay. And um I figured you'd probably have the same reaction that I did, but I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand with um just the idea that w we have not learned anything from COVID. I mean, I've learned from COVID. You've learned from COVID. Um you know, the people in your offices, the people who've read your book have learned from COVID. Uh but there's there's a lot of people in our government and a lot of people in uh world leading positions across the globe who have not learned from covid or liked or liked what they did or maybe maybe they learned from covid and they, they're they going to use it in a different way you know they, they they liked the way it turned out i don't know they like but, the portion portion of it yeah uh but anyways so i'm assuming you're fully aware of this but according to Time Magazine, the World Health Organization on December 19th declared uh, JN1 a variant of interest. Mm -hmm. what, is, what does that mean? Do you know? All right. I, and I have uh, quarrels with the CDC and the WHO. The WHO got <laughs> one, one thing right, because I'll give credit where credit's due. The WHO had a report early on that said that asymptomatic spread was virtually zero. That's the one thing they got right during COVID. The CDC has done a lot wrong, but they got one thing right as well. And I will tell you what they do well is they can track variants of interest. So if you remember from the, the book and our first interview, viruses are not living things. They make copies of copies of copies of copies. They're like amino acids. They're either active or inactive. So the moment they enter your system and bind, they're looking for the best version of themselves to survive and thereby mutating, right? So the virus is mutating all the time. There's thousands of versions of COVID you just haven't heard of because when you make it, if you were to go to a copy machine and take a piece of paper and make a copy of something and then take the copy and make a copy of that and then take that copy and make a copy of that, after a while, that copy would be so distorted, you wouldn't recognize it. 
But the ones that develop this weird shape on the outside, and we talked about this on your first show, or is the spike protein mutating? And when you when you, when it mutates enough to fool your body and it's strong enough to to bind, these are the ones that the CDC has identified as as variants of interest. These are the ones that are going to be the next big one to spread. So like you had the L strain, the S strain, and you had Delta. You remember that? Then you had Omicron, and now you have all these sub variants of Omicron that are still spinning off. So. When they come out with a when when I hear the CDC say they've I, it must be like one dude <laughs> who's working in the department who's who's like above reproach or something because they've gotten that information right uh, consistently for the most part and I talked to my immunologist about this and and they're they're pretty spot on beyond that like you know you could just take the whole CDC and toss it so if this <laughs> if this variant is the one that's going to be binding to uh you know and and spreading with their you know high R not then yeah you should be looking out for it but. What we learn in time, just like we learn with Omicron, like Delta, we would get like like serious fatigue and muscle aches and stuff like that. And then Omicron came out, you would see more cold-like. I hate to say that because, you know, I talk about cold-like, classical cold-like, like the sniffles. So you would see that in the Omicron variant. And then if if this spike protein, because what you're getting is a reaction to the spike protein every time it mutates. Like if you've had COVID multiple times, You've got those B and T lymphocytes that we mentioned. Those are the memory cells inside the majority of COVID. Your body's responding to that spike protein now that's mutating. So you're getting the majority of your symptoms from the spike protein. So we have to see once that starts spreading, what the the common symptoms are of that, whether they're classical symptoms, you know, like we talked about, it's you know, it's not just a headache or fatigue or something like that. But I've got a ton of people right now who have COVID. Um, and what I flex my, my assistant's grandfather has it right now. And, um, I'm like, and I said to her, like, what is, what is his symptoms? And by the way, he didn't come in her office and test. Okay. He told her he has COVID and it was on a rapid test. So still people are doing dumb things with testing. So I don't know for sure if he has COVID, but he feels like, you know, dog, you know what? Um, so, but that's one patient we don't ever develop a, you know, a, a synopsis, uh, until we start to see trends. And once we see it, you know, you know, five's a data set, tens, a bigger data set, 20, then a hundred, we get big data sets and we start, then I can start talking about it on, on shows like this, because otherwise you're just giving erroneous information. So we'll see, uh, but the CDC does do one thing well, and that's it. Got it. Duly noted. Sorry, um, long answer. No, no, it's totally fine. It's a, it's a lot of information, and I think it's good for people to hear stuff like this in the long explanations. Because I mean, I, I read your book, and like I'll read through the long explanations, but a lot of people don't want to sit and read through it, and they'll like listen to it in the background. Maybe if they play this podcast like ten times in the background while they're doing other things, the information will like sink in. You know. Can we get buy books? Can we seriously like you know how hard it is to sell books? People think like you sell millions of. You got to go on a million shows. You're out there, you know, promoting some shows you like better than others because people actually take the time and you develop relationships with. I, I got radio people that call me to come back on, you know, when they have something new and they want to chat about it. But it is really, really hard to sell books. And then a lot of people will buy it just for the cover because it's cool. But, you know, I'm like, did you read? I'll see my friends. Did you read it? They're like, no, not yet. I'm like, seriously, after what we just went through, you think everybody would want to just read it one time. It's a short read, folks. It's like three hours, 160 pages of reading. That's it. Well, and you think selling a book with Fauci's face on the cover is hard. Try try selling a book of poetry. Goodness gracious. <laughs> people no, people do not like actually read books anymore. And uh like I, I was over at somebody's house uh, a while back and um they were showing me their entire bookshelf. And I was like, okay, these are these are really good, like really interesting titles. Like I hadn't read most of them. Um and they were just like, Yeah, I just kinda I, I buy the books and I like read the 
first paragraph and they, they look nice and i was like but you look educated magazines <laughs> are tough yeah i mean books in general are tough you know people get them for like gifts because they think the cover's cool and stuff like that but the people i've read it i've gotten great reviews on it, except for the the crackpots who will go on to Amazon and it, so it'll say verified purchase if you bought it. So there's a lot of crackpots who have not bought the book that just want to go and, you know, assume what it's about and, and make a, uh, you know, a review. That's not, that's a fake review. Uh, I wish I knew who they were because I'd go to their work and make fake reviews about them, but you know, it's a right. So if they come out of the woodwork. I'll be happy to do that. So. Well, um, you mentioned the rapid, the rapid test, the rapid yeah. COVID test. Uh, speaking of those, um, <laughs> so I, I was reading one article on the, the JN1 um, variant, okay, and it was CBS News, and it was just an, an, another announcement of them sending out free COVID tests or whatever, and it was like, Americans can now order another round of four free COVID tests for this season, um, and I mean, this was an announcement that happened back in November, but I, I just thought it was crazy. Then it's like households that did not order their first batch of four free tests after ordering reopened earlier this fall will be able to place two orders. And I'm like, you know, after, you know, I had my own speculations, but then after talking with you and reading all of the stuff that's in your book, I'm like, so we're just wasting money at this point. Yeah, I, I and I'll I won't go through the science again. I'll I'll encourage you to watch uh, your episode thirty two if you want to learn about it. But to break it down real simple is if you have if you come into my office and tell me you're positive on on a rapid test, I'm going to laugh at you because you could have the common cold. You could be positive for any one of seven different coronaviruses. It's a small percentage, but I've seen it happen enough times where it's it's just a joke. But if you're negative, it means less. And that's the real joke because people will come at, they'll come to the office and get a PCR. This happened years ago when we were doing stuff for like travel. So they come and get a PCR test and they're pissed off that they're positive. And again, if you remember 85 to 90% of people don't have a symptom or it's, it's minor, like a headache. So they don't associate it. So then they'll run out and get a rapid test just so they could be negative. So they could travel or go back to work. And I'm going, dude, you don't understand, but they think in their mind, they just want to go with whatever the least common denominator, the easy, you know, the path of least resistance for them, whether they want to go back to work or travel to Bermuda. If you're positive on a PCR, you're positive. And I have had this argument. I did a show Last week, uh, Kim Iverson show, it got over 220,000 views between her website, the short clip of me, and then like between X and Facebook. And by the way, I put it up on Facebook. I got zero, zero views on my, on my chat, on my, I had to like push it out because Facebook is still censoring these things. Um, but the Kim Iverson show, uh, I had people come back pissed off. Uh, and you think like you do an interview like this and they're like-minded people they want to kind of get, there are so many people I didn't realize who are upset about PCR testing because they've read articles on it and they think it doesn't work. So now I've had to kind of redo my talking points to explain this stuff in interviews because people really don't get it. They think that if you can turn up the cycles as high as you want, and they're right. If you kept going with cycles, you could find anything in the universe and you can amplify it. My, my lab specifically go to 36 cycles on a PCR test. And they're very valid, by the way. We used PCR testing long before COVID. So again, if that woman who came in today, RSV, we found it. It's the same exact test. The labs got COVID added after they got the signal. And no, COVID is not the same thing as the flu. That's another thing I get. But PCR testing works very well. If I had 100 patients... And one, and one came positive and 99 came negative. I could repeat the data again the next day. And I've had to do that. I've had that cop come in who's got a, a positive test and he's pissed off. He thinks it's a false positive. It's not. And I have to retest him the next day and then the next day and a week later and he's still positive. 
those other 99 will still come up negative. In the hypothesis that the people who think PCR testing doesn't work, you got to remember I did 44,000 tests. 4,000 were positive, 40,000 were negative. In their hypothesis, the other 40,000 would have had something. Um, and, and so I can repeat this data over and over and over and over again to show that PCR testing does work. It's very good. I work with reputable labs, but sometimes people want to latch on to like one thing and think they found the smoking gun. My job in this scenario isn't to you know prove the validity of PCR testing. I care about my credibility. I'm going to tell you what I saw in, in my experience. So you know, I, I, some of the comments you get from some of the interviews you do, you just don't expect them. They come out of left field and then you're, you're explaining things. For no good reason, like let's get to the bottom of it. So, you know, if I could have spent an hour explaining how testing works, it's like, okay, but you're right. I mean, what people don't understand the difference between PCR and rapid test, we're four years into this. I mean, it's December of, well, this came out December of 2019 really is when we started talking about it. It's four years and, and people still don't understand the difference. That's that somebody's got to be culpable for that, right? The government, the media, CNN, MSNBC, like what you're not really doing your job if you're not giving people the information they deserve to hear. If you're if you're holding back, withholding part of the story, that's the same as lying. People should have known this stuff four years ago. It would have it would have changed the entire dynamic of what we went through. You would have never seen lockdowns and suicide rates go up and kids out of school learning curves. So maybe on the political side, maybe there was some nefarious behavior here because. If I knew this two months in, you'd think Fauci and some of the other Burks and Walensky would have known this stuff, but they're still pushing the same narrative, the new vaccine. The I'm, I'm over it, folks. Like, if we're not woken up at this point, I, there's a big difference between woke and awake. Uh, you and I are awake, and there's a lot of wokesters out there who ignore information. They'll see an interview like this and, say, and they'll discount it just because of the cover or the, you know, who you and I, you know, work and write with and whatever. Um, it's sad that we can't just tell the whole population, like, here's the data. Now do with it what you want. They won't even listen to the data. It's scary. No. And like at this point, I, I think it's it's it's. It is entertaining and incredibly frustrating when people like when I say things like from a political perspective of like clearly at this point, like how can you not look at the way the government has handled things and the way that they continue to handle things with COVID when it's not even like people aren't even taking it seriously anymore. Like they're, they're continuing to put out free COVID tests, mm -hmm. the rapid tests that don't really, that aren't really going to do anything. Um, those numbers aren't going to be reported to the CDC. There's no reason for it really. Um, so it, but but there's people who will look at you when you say, hey, you know, is this not questionable? And they'll be like, no, that's not questionable. They'll still say, no, that's not questionable. And I'm like, how? Okay, last thing I want to talk about in regards to COVID, and then we're going to move on from this. Um, I went on um, this brand new podcast called Defense of the Indivincible, I think is what it's called. And this guy that runs it, his name is uh, Jethro Swanson, and he's a liberal and he lives in Canada. And um, one of the things that he put on our list to talk about was COVID because he saw the interview that you and I did and he wanted to kind of, he wanted to have me explain my opinions on everything to the audience. And so that episode will probably be up in the next couple of weeks. I think it turned out really well. But one of the things that was interesting to me was he, I, I started talking about the inefficacy of masks with when it comes to covid when it comes to the viruses um and if anybody's curious about that again they can go watch our last interview on subtle rampage uh because dr mike explains all of that but um 
Jethro was like, you know, I, I don't know if he was just humoring me, but he was like, he's like, you know, actually, now that I think about it, I don't think I really know what the efficacy of masks is. He's like, but they have to do something, right? And I mean, I'm not trying to dog on the guy at all because we had a really great conversation. And I do think that he like, he really tries to like find um, information about things and stuff. But it's like, you know, not everybody's going to research every little thing in life. And, you know, to me, I researched stuff like that when COVID was going on because it was important to me to find, like, I, I was like, you know, I feel like something's off. It was important to me to find what was going on. Um, but if somebody didn't feel the way that I felt about all of it, didn't feel like anything was off, uh, of course, they're, they maybe they didn't go research it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I feel like it's just, it's, it is crazy to me that at this point, there are still people who do not understand that what we did was not impactful it wasn't necessary it didn't help i think it's a lot of cognitive distortion you know it's it's cognitive dissidence like if you i always say it, you know it's it's the person that reads the headline on on the first page but doesn't go to you know page 26 six months later to read the retraction because they're not really looking or not doing the research but the cognitive distortion is like the person who it's like the kid who, who tells their parents, this is the car I want. It's going to be great. It's going to be reliable. And the parents are trying to tell them, I looked at it, it's a lemon. Uh, the kid buys it anyway and puts all their money into it. And it turns out being a lemon. And it'll never admit that to the parents and say, mom and dad, you were right. Uh, because they want to stick with the narrative. It, look, it, 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 yeah, go watch episode 32. It's going to explain all the mass stuff. And when you understand air fluidity, and I always demonstrate my vape pen, that's what COVID looks like when it's floating around because there's 500 million particles on a pinhead. All right. And, and anything less than 0.25 microns doesn't settle by gravity. It's just floating around like that in space. What, what's his name? Jethro what? Jethro Swanson. He He's like brand new, just started this podcast because he wanted to kind of interview people who disagreed with him or had crazy viewpoints and kind of just give them a platform. Yeah. Well, Jethro, I got to tell you, Jethro Swanson, you got a, you got a cool handle. That's a great name. So <laughs> good, luck. good luck with the podcast. I hope you do well with it. Um, it, it is hard to do a podcast as a really, and I will tell you, daily and I will tell you, it is not easy to do, but, uh, it, they, they, they do do one thing. They, they make it worse because these things, we don't wear them in the hospital because, you know, for viruses, we wear them so we don't get over splattered. We don't drool into the operative field and stuff like that for viruses. You really got to be in a, in a paper mask or something. I mean, you could be in a, in an N95 that'll give you the best protection, but the momentary lapse, you go to scratch your nose to breathe those floating particles that are around only takes one particle to infect you. Why does it make it worse? It's because these people are putting these dirty things on from their pocket and their car and wherever they're keeping them during the day. They're not putting a a sanitary one on a sterile one on every, every time they put a mask on. So what they're doing is they're breeding a warm, moist environment for bacterial growth, which is why we saw a ton of patients with staph infections, H flu, Meroxella cateralis. I mean, these things are dirty and disgusting and you're breeding bacteria. So giving people proper information, the government, this goes back to the government and the narrative again, we really should have been telling people the proper way to wear these things or what they were going to do in totality. Cause you got people walking around with dirty masks on stockings, bandanas, you know, whatever, just thinking that they have some force field against COVID. Uh, and Adela, I told you when I, the first couple of conversations I would have in the first couple of weeks of calling positive patients, I had so many people would say, I don't understand how I have COVID. I've been wearing a mask the whole time. And you kind of want to laugh at them. That conversation changed a year later to, I don't understand how I have COVID. I've been fully vaccinated. You know, we tried telling you folks, but the data is out there. Uh, Jethro, uh, I'll, I'll come on anytime and explain if you want, but 
Let me know. You, you just watch Adelia's uh, show. That would probably be really interesting. I'll ha- I, if he doesn't watch this one, I'll have to be like, hey, I think that there's somebody who you might want to email because uh, because he he's actually really good at like being an interviewer. Like he has a very calm energy. It was a really fun conversation. I'm going to try to have him on my show. So it, maybe maybe he could use a, um, a guest that's here and there and on every show ever <laughs> i'll call him by the right name adelia i have a friend named aurelia and i i slipped that in there a minute ago so okay so i apologize you guys are very similar oh oh no worries i didn't even notice the next thing i want to bring up you have a new show on rumble um two mics live what is that all about well, well, why'd you start it i'm one mic i'm not multiple personalities my partner <laughs> is uh, mike calderis and then kelly's on the show with us we have a good time I uh, wanted to do something fun. I've been doing a lot of these and I got a lot of, it's funny. I, I got advice from a, um, a great radio host. He has his own podcast. His name is Kevin Keatsman. It's called the Kevin Keatsman has issues podcast. And uh, Kevin's out in Kansas city and Kevin, after our, we did like an hour long interview and Kevin said to me, he goes, you really need to start a podcast. I'm telling you, you'd be really good at it. So I said, okay. So I started the Mike's right podcast audio only. I've been doing that for a few months, have had some great guests on from Tommy John to, uh, Mark White from the Spin Doctors to Kevin Sorbo, you name it, I've had him on. So my my buddy Mike and I were talking about uh, doing a live show, and we haven't done you know our own live video shows, but we just came up with a format that's like let's talk about some issues, let's do deep dive Mondays, let's do news Wednesdays, and open mic conveniently Fridays, <laughs> where we have our audience come on and participate. So, you know, you could come on the show tomorrow. Uh, you could pop on, I send you the link, you pop in. We have all these people that are willing, you know, wanting to to voice their opinion and we kind of come on just rap, but it's been great. We've had a lot of views in the last week. We started this a week and a half ago and all of a sudden it's getting some attention, but these are tough to do. Um, I'm having fun with it though. It's a lot of work, as you know. <laughs> show prep videos lights green screens backgrounds you name it just i mean and then you gotta of course do it so mm-hmm. you know, you're spending two hours at least to do an hour show plus the prep work yesterday i spent like four hours just you know cutting videos and editing and everything before i could do the show um but it's a lot of fun it's on rumble two mics live i think you'll enjoy it we started a little media company called dead red media and we want to hook up with uh, folks who are like-minded so we can kind of create a platform who knows we might have your podcast on dead red media at some point so then we can get more you know more traction we want to get people um with a voice that have something relevant to say good guests you know uh, relevant topics like yourself um a little bit more exposure and that's kind of our you know our goal yeah that's awesome i actually i, I listened to the the mike's right podcast where you and the other mike were talking about your plans and everything um but i hadn't watched the two mics live until last night and um that was it, i i think it's good it's a good format and you guys are entertaining and uh kelly for those of you who don't know is uh, mike's fiance um they have this little seems to be an ongoing joke i don't know if it was just last night where they kind of kick her out every few right. minutes but Taylor Swift, we have to kick her out of the studio. So, <laughs> so but no, it's it's definitely entertaining. Um, when I was watching last night, you guys were talking about how um, they they took Trump off the ballot, and you know, in Colorado, and and then y'all were talking about uh, who who they who they might run for the Democrat Party for the presidential election, and uh, you guys brought up the idea of Michelle Obama, and see, what's funny about that is like. Back when I think RFK Jr. first announced that he was going to run for president, um, 
I thought of, I thought a couple of things. The first thing I thought was they're not going to let him do that. Um, <laughs> because I was like, I mean, th- that would be extremely entertaining to me to watch an election where he was the Democrat uh, nominee. But I was like, the Democrat Party is not going to back. They're not going to back him. Um, and then clearly they ended up not backing him. And now he's running as an independent, which is also going to make for an interesting election, if you ask me. Um, but then when I when I made that decision, I was like, they're not going to back him. I'm like, but who is the Democrat nominee going to be? One of my first thoughts was Michelle Obama, um, because I'm like, because I'm sitting there, I'm like, who who can meet up with Trump? And then if RFK Jr. runs as an independent, like who's going to not Joe Biden? Joe Biden's not on that level. Kamala Harris is not on that level. No, no Democrat politician that I can think of is really on that level um and i was like you know what michelle obama so y'all talking about that or whatever made me a little happy because i was like you know at least somebody else has the same like train of thought as me (laughs) more people than us just talking about it i mean it's it there's a lot of folks in media who are saying that um and you're right i mean it's like you know joe biden doesn't match up um the rfk thing is kind of sad if you think about the lineage he comes from like he's he's a nice guy and he's got a lot of good stuff on covid but i don't agree with him on his other policies i wouldn't vote for him um, and then it's like, you know, it, but they, they play these games. He, he's 80 years old. He's going to be what? 84. If he wins his second term, by the time he ends his term, he, he, nobody mm-hmm. he doesn't know if he's going to make it to the morning, you know, nonetheless, the election, you know, he's worried about the, the, the expiration date on the milk carton being you know closer to what his life expectancy might be at this point. It's sad, but Michelle Obama, I think if they do it, it'll be kind of like, like I said it on the show last night. They hid him in the basement for the longest time. They'll wait till the last minute so she doesn't have to campaign. So people just have this image of her uh, rather than having to hear her talk and hear her come out on the issues. But the biggest thing that I saw this week was when Barack Obama's uh, they said it was a someone close to his thinking uh, came out and said uh, that that Barack doesn't think uh, President Obama should give him the credit where his credit's due. He's former president. President Obama does not think that uh, Joe Biden can win. And everybody first thought was this had to be leaked. It wasn't just like, you know, somebody heard it from him and then leaked it. This was Obama directing somebody to say, leak this out. I think they're trying to steer it that way. Um, They don't want to lose power. This is all about money and power. I hope they can see that at this point. They don't care about you and your gas prices and inflation. They don't care about your grocery prices. They don't care about you and I. They care about this narrative, even though even though the economy has gone to crap, uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre was on TV just yesterday saying that the the indicators are all good. The numbers look great. And despite what you and I think from shopping at the grocery store, the economy is doing better. I mean, we could all tell you, everybody in this country can tell you everything's more expensive. They they ignore facts. They distort reality. And, and, and it's, it's amazing to me if you have a, a liberal talk show or podcast, like why would you continue that narrative? Why, why would you? Everybody in the country can see it. It's hurting me in the pocketbook. I know it's hurting you in the pocketbook. It's hurting all of us in the pocketbook. My a- energy prices, my electric bill was like a thousand dollars at the office. I just got it yesterday. I was freaking out. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It's almost doubled in the last couple of years. Well, supposedly the um the the way the numbers look right now is worse. Like we're worse off right now economically than during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And um, so what are they? Well, they're like. I saw your show on that. I watched that when you, this is your show, right? I think I watched that episode where you were comparing the numbers. At, was it your show? You were comparing no, no, no. I don't think that was mine. 
All right. I've watched a lot of stuff. I thought it was your first time. I've watched a no, lot of stuff too. No worries. I don't have the economic depth for that. Um, <laughs> Somebody but, compared the numbers to like 1933 to, to mm-hmm. now. It showed that, you know, over over time and inflation that yep. we're actually, we're li- we have more people living in poverty now than compared to the numbers back then. Yeah, I, I've seen it done by a few people and it all comes out the same. And um, and then they're calling it like a silent depression, because I think I think the reason that like nobody can it's not as visible as maybe the Great Depression was. I don't know. Maybe it maybe it wasn't as visible. I don't know. Um, but like, I think the way the reason it feels like a silent depression is probably because we're so like consumer based now that um, a lot of people like for you know, things start getting more expensive and it's like, okay, well, I'll just stop buying this. Okay, well, I'll just stop buying this. There are a lot of things that we buy that we don't need. And so it's like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just stop buying this. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really start to become noticeable until you've stopped buying everything that you don't need. And then you can't afford the things that you do need either. That's scary. It's scary for me because I own a, a company where we do luxury services. We do Botox, filler, we do laser services, you know, hormone therapy. And and those are, those are, you know, luxury purchases. I had a woman mm-hmm. call today and she was talking to my assistant trying to figure out if she could afford 20 units of Botox. Well, no one needs 20 units of Botox. Most people need 60 units of Botox. So if you're trying to skimp by with 20, it's like, it's almost like asking for half the anesthesia when you go for surgery. You know, I can't afford it. Can you do half? Well, do you want to be half awake? It's like, no. So, you know, medically there's things, but that's scary for somebody like me because when, when people run out of disposable income, I'm at the top of the list of the stuff they cut. Mm. So it, it gets a little tough and there is no money in primary care. Uh, we don't, you know, we have, the government still owes me money from COVID that they never paid us on the CARES Act nonsense. So, it's been a rough year for, for us in our office, been a rough year for my staff. I hear it every day. I think you're right. I think we are in a silent depression. I don't think people realize it. Go to McDonald's. McDonald's 10 years ago, maybe not even, maybe eight years when Trump was in office. I, you know, and I don't eat McDonald's a lot, but you can see it like on that side. A quarter pounder with cheese, cheese meal, number two with a Coke, right? Medium, $5.23. I, I, today's like $13, okay? That's a huge increase. That's more than, you know, it's almost triple. But people don't associate that stuff. We went to the store the other day and we were getting a blanket as a gift. And uh, I hope nobody's watching who I bought the blanket for. And um, (laughs) one of those throw blankets and Kelly said $30. She goes, don't you think that's a little expensive? And I went, I don't know. Like, I just don't know anymore in this economy. You just go, okay, $100. Okay, I guess that's what it is. But Mm -hmm. things are exponentially expensive and it it really hurts the common uh, person. We're working our butts off. We're not made of money. I didn't win the lottery. Um, I, I don't get it. You know, uh, I just don't get how the common person doesn't see this stuff, wake up and go, no, enough is enough. There's still people that actually are, are out there rallying for this guy. It ain't many, but there's people out there that are, that are telling you that Joe Biden's your guy or, or whoever the Democrats put in office is your guy. Their policies have never worked. Never. Why? There's a great video. Hillsdale College is doing a series now. It's free and you can watch. I watched one by Victor Davis Hanson. It was like four hours of it. Uh, uh, he was talking about citizenship. And then Art Laffer did one on, on supply side economics. It's one of the best things I've seen. I encourage everybody to watch it, especially if you lean a little bit left. 
Art Laffer Hillsdale College. It is it is free to watch. It's like four and a half hours of an education you will you will never forget and and you need to know. Uh, but he really goes into how taxes affect the economy and, and, and all all of that stuff. Keynesian theory versus you know uh, what people call trickle down, which I hate that word. That's supply side economics and Marxism and all that stuff. But there's he shows you it all ties together and how these policies have never worked. They've never worked, but they always come back to them. Um, but you know, supply side economics—the only way to to make the the economy, you know, go full steam ahead. Well, because what is it? We get a we get a Republican president, and then we get a Democrat president for two terms, and then we get a Republican president, and then we get a, and every time the Democrat is in office, the gas prices go up to like you know, and then they just keep going up and going up and going up, and it'll be like I think I think I was too young to be driving when Obama was in office, and um, but. I so when I started driving, when I started buying my own vehicles, Trump was in office. And so I bought a V8 2007 F-150 because I was like, gas is a dollar a gallon, a dollar oh two. Like I can afford this. That and, low where you're at? Yeah, I was in Red Oak, Texas, just south of Dallas, and gas was down to like a dollar oh two, a dollar oh three. Um yeah. And, and then and then as soon as Biden took office, it just went up and up and up and up. And I was like, this is insane. I'm like, I've never seen gas prices like this because when they were like this, I was too little to pay attention. And my mom is like, yeah, she's like, by the time the Obamas were out of the office, she's just like gas prices were like five bucks a gallon almost. She's like, uh, this isn't new. And I'm like, well, thanks for telling me. I could have gotten a different vehicle in preparation for Joe Biden, I guess. But we were at like a dollar eighty, I think, and then Obama. It was went up to about four bucks. the The problem with Americans is they have a short term memory, right? They try mm-hmm. to make everything convenient for you. That's why we're going into like digital currency and all this stuff. They want to make things. If you if your life is convenient, you'll go along with it. As soon as there's any inconvenience, you'll like you'll you'll you know you'll push back. So from a dollar eighty to four dollars is a big increase. What happened was it went down to $3 and most of the country went, oh, it's not so bad now. It's only $3. I'm like, what do you mean only $3? It was $1.80 a year ago. And you're missing the point of the whole exercise. And that's the problem. Short-term memory. It's like COVID. I applaud you for wanting to talk about it because there's a national conversation that needs to be had, but everybody stopped talking about it because they're like, well, what's next? You know, people are going to get bored of it. Bored of it. What they They literally shut our lives down for three years. We should be talking about this every day. We should be forcing hearings on, on Fauci. You should be bringing people like me up to say, what data did you have? And why weren't, you know, why wasn't it getting disseminated? I can talk till I'm blue in the face about getting censored on Facebook, censored on YouTube. I did an interview in the UK not too long ago, got pulled down from YouTube, like within seconds of starting to go live. It's amazing to me. We, we forget, we neglect all the conversations that we need to have. And it's like the left is oblivious to this stuff. We need to talk about COVID. We need to talk about the economy. We need to talk about these 187 uh, or 87,000 IRS agents they're trying to hire for what? What do you think they're trying to do? You talk about the $600. Uh, if you Venmo me 600 bucks now, they're going to track that. They're going to trace that. They want, they, and they've sent out, you know, uh, letters to let everybody know that that's happening. Uh, virtual letters, you know, notice, whatever. But there's a lot of stuff to talk about in this country. We lose our freedoms every single day. We lost our freedoms for almost three years during COVID. And people are just like, oh, what's going on in Israel? Uh, have we forgotten everything that's going on in our own lives? Don't even get me started on that one. I, because um, I, I did, uh, I think my, was it my last podcast? I don't even remember. The podcast before last was on the, uh, you know, on Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro and the whole Israel versus Palestine thing and how people are, um, you know, 
up in arms about all this and i'm like we should be up in arms about what's happening in our own country the only like opinion that i feel like most people here should be formulating on the israel versus palestine stuff is whether or not we should be involved financially with our military like sending things over like that's the that's the only thing you should have an opinion on unless you have family over there or some ancestral connection and you want to have your opinion but i'm like most people there is no family connection they've never been there they don't know anybody over there and they're all up in arms and focusing on that when there's stuff going on here and there's things we need funded here and our country has for years been in trillions of dollars of debt um, so I'm like, unless it helps us financially to support countries halfway across the world or on the other side of the world completely, you know, I don't even know my geography like that. But um, like, unless it helps us financially as a country, why? Why? I'm like, I'm all for having like empathy for, you know, people who are in war torn countries. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't it's not horrible that people are dying, but I'm like, but it's not our conflict. Right. And and I think that, you know, that that probably rings truer with Ukraine and, and Russia with Israel. Mm -hmm. They're prop they're our biggest ally. Um, and you know, we've fought, I mean, even with the Abraham Accords with Trump, and we've been trying to get peace in the Mideast for the longest time. And those were pretty historic, the Abraham Accords. And now you have, you know, with Palestine, what I what I don't what what happened there, everybody kind of knows at this point. We don't have to talk about it, explain it. But what drives me nuts is the college kids, Harvard protesting and taking the side of Hamas. I'm not calling it Palestine. They're taking the side of Hamas because you have Hamas running that country. The Palestinians let um, the terrorists from Hamas on their council. So you're basically complicit in this at the same time. Now, don't get me wrong. There are there are innocent Palestinians as well. I'm not painting all Palestinians with one broad brush. But when you let that happen in your country and you let Hamas kind of run your your show, um, what do you expect? You know, it, it, I, I don't understand these kids at Harvard. By the way, I would never hire a kid from Harvard now um, or UPenn or MIT. Uh, I think it's pretty sick that. And then look, but I'm a free speech absolutist. So you can say whatever you want. I don't care. Um, your right to protest is protected by all of, you know, my grandfather and everybody else who fought and died for this country. So I'm a free speech absolutist. You want to protest? Protest all you want. I don't care. Don't put other people in fear. Why, you know, to 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 put Jewish students in fear on other campuses of, of going to, you know, the cafeteria or going to class, that's wrong. If you want to bully people, you know, you should be held accountable. You want to protest? Go nuts. Say whatever you want. I don't agree with your protest. I don't agree with what you're saying. But um, I think there's a fine line here. You know, it's just like the whole thing with uh, Trump on the ballot with Colorado. Um, you know, you want it, to it's not right. I don't agree with it. Um, let these guys say what they want. Dan Patrick was on today from Texas. He said, well, maybe we'll take Joe Biden off the ballot for uh, letting all these illegals in 15,000 a day. He's basically, you know, causing an insurrection because he's not abiding by the law. He's breaking the law. I don't think Republicans will do that. But he was saying that to make a point. And I think the Supreme Court will overturn it. Uh, rightfully so, because it's it's stupid. Um, and hopefully we'll have an election. Every time they hit Trump like this, it makes him stronger. I have a buddy of mine who golfs with him. I'll, I won't mention his name, but I asked him point blank. We were together and I and I said uh, I said to him, I said, what do you, what does Trump think when you know when you know this one charging him? He's got a case in New York, a case in Georgia. He goes, he loves it. Absolutely loves it. He got not not in a way of like getting off on it, but he loves it. I mean, it gets more attention for him and his cause. It riles people up when they when it, Tucker Carlson said it on his interview um, recently. He was talking to I think it was Alex Jones, uh, who I mentioned 
asked for a copy of my book today. Alex, love to have me on. I would love to be on. Um, he uh, Tucker Carlson said when they when they raided Mar-a-Lago, that was the day Tucker Carlson was like, you know what? I got to back this guy up. You can't do that. You can't like there's never a time in history where the 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 the, the president of the United States has tried to take out the front runner from the other party literally take out because they're that scared of them. They're doing everything in their power to bury Donald Trump. That's wrong. Let the people vote and let them decide to do that in Colorado, do that in the whole country. But every time something like that happens, it, it drives more support and more money toward the Trump campaign. So keep it coming, people. Yeah, the Trump supporters are hardcore. Dude, like the, they just keep trying to take him down. And I'm like, yeah, that's really going to get people to like leave Trump's side. Who do you like in this cycle? Um... I mean, honestly, I don't really, I, I don't really like anybody. <laughs> like, I, 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 I watched the first GOP debate, but the whole time I was, just, I couldn't help it. The whole time I was just thinking about how disappointed I was that Trump wasn't there, um, because it would have been way more entertaining. Um, I've seen clips from the other, what they've only had two so far, right? Maybe three, two, three or four now. Maybe okay. See, I think the first one happened when Tennessee was having our special legislative session on gun control. And so like I didn't watch it while it was happening because I was kind of busy with that. Um, and then so I was kind of I'm kind of behind on the GOP debates. But I mean, I don't like Nikki Haley. I don't like Chris Christie. Um, they just rub me the wrong way. And, you know, and I don't agree with a lot of what they say. Um and then Vivek, uh, if I had to pick one that wasn't Trump, I would pick Vivek, probably. Mm. And like, if you'd asked me at the beginning of all this, I would have said DeSantis. But I just feel I don't know what I don't know what him and the people running his campaign, like what their thought process has been this whole time. But you and I think a lot alike, kiddo. I, I I was a DeSantis guy. You know, if, if it wasn't Trump, it'd be DeSantis. And I even gave Ron some money. And then I watched, it, like you just basically summarized in two sentences there. His campaign kind of fell apart. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. And some of the messaging, like going after, and, and the going after Disney thing, he's a great governor of Florida. And I have a place down in Florida and an office down there for years. Great governor, speaks his mind. You going after Disney? Stop. I'm a constitutional conservative. Let business do their thing. Shouldn't be government's job to go police business, right? So certain things he started doing, I was like, this is too much. Like, stop telling everybody what to do now. You're trying to be like to the right of Trump, but you're becoming more of like a progressive in the process. Hell yeah. Um, Vivek, I think I agree with you. I love the policies. Everybody tell, and on our show last night, people were like, oh, I think he's fake. I said, I don't care. I don't care if the person, I don't care if you're white, black, orange. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what you sound like. I don't care how high your hair is. I don't care. I just want somebody to do the job the way I want it done, right? I look at it as like a business. So if you're going to lower taxes, and Vivek's got some great ideas. And Vivek, when he speaks, sounds so conservative. If you could wave a magic wand and go, I'll put Vivek's policies in, I bet it do wonders for this country and just wave a magic wand and do it. But unfortunately, we have to go through a minutia of, you know, process to get there. And I don't think he's going to get the, the nod. I think it's going to be Trump. Uh, and I am a Trump guy. I know. I, okay. I, I, I get it. And there, there's a lot of people that have issues with Trump. You know, <laughs> they don't like the way he speaks. They don't like the way he, who cares but policy wise. If, if you, if I gave you a ticket and said, go away for four years, get this job done. I don't want to see you. I don't talk to you. I don't have to watch the news. I don't have to listen to the radio and read the newspaper. I don't, I don't need to do all that stuff. We do it 
because we do. But if you took that out of the equation and in four years, the guy came back and said, you said, did you accomplish the list? Trump got the list done. And he said, and I got a few extra things done for you as well. You're like, dude, that's like the, the contractor, you know, did you fix the ceiling? Yeah. And I took care of the gutters. And the well, I think didn't he do pretty much everything he said he would do except for the that's wall? Hard. Like well, yeah, that wasn't him. He did most of the wall. That would, they argued over five point seven trillion dollars at the time. That was yeah. plan politics. Now they're giving away two hundred billion dollars to Ukraine. We were arguing over five point seven billion dollars, and the same liberals were complaining that that's a lot of money. Five point seven billion. They don't say a peep about the two hundred. Ask your liberal podcast host to address that one. Two hundred million billion dollars to Ukraine. They don't say a word about, it, but the wall was a big deal. Now you got 15,000 people. And by the way, I'm tired of them calling them migrants. They are illegal aliens. Okay. The word alien is Latin. Okay. It, it, it is Latin for not of this place. That's what the word means. It doesn't mean, you know, somebody from Mars alien means not of this place. It is Latin and they are illegal. Let's call them what they are. Illegal aliens. They have shortened that to uh, uh, migrants now from, they went to illegal migrants. Then they went to, uh, uh, immigrants and then they shorten that to migrants to make it more palatable because people think it's insensitive let's call it what they are they're illegal aliens and they're not supposed to be here you have people waiting to get in this country that have been waiting in line for years that go through the process and spend a lot of time and money and you are you are just cutting them off at the knees here when you if you and i want we could get free health care phones if you and i left here went down to mexico and came across the border we pro our net worth would probably go up in a day oh yeah i've definitely considered it my dad and I have been having similar conversations. Like, you know, how much better would our life be if we were an illegal immigrant? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, I I don't know. I so I mean, Vivek, his uh, like he's a businessman. So I mean, I I feel similarly. I feel like he he would handle a lot of things similarly to the way Trump did. Um, and. So I'm, I'm, well, I'm not the biggest fan of like a lot of the things that he said on the debate stage, to be honest, because like some of his insults, I'm like, they're not, they're not good. Like, I feel like Trump has like a particular personality that backs up the insults, even when they're not good, like it still works. Um, Vivek's a little bit different, but, um, but I do think like policy wise, I, I agree with you. So I don't know. The, the last thing I wanted to bring up before um we wrap up here was uh on the mike's right podcast you had on um your fiance's son Jaden, um uh, a while back and i listened to that episode and uh i don't know if he's still 18 but he was 18 when you filmed it and but um that i just wanted to tell you um and tell my listeners that i really enjoyed listening to that episode because i feel like i talked to people my age who kind of understand politics or explain politics to my friends who aren't super politically involved. And I talk to my parents and I talk to you and I talk to people who are m much older than me, but I don't um, really know that many younger people compared to myself who actually kind of keep up with what's going on. So since I was somebody at that age who was like, who, 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 it's kind of, it was, it was really enjoyable to listen to him um, actually have some opinions he is a good kid. Uh, he is um, a couple of years ago. I thought we'd lost him. Mm -hmm. He went to the dark side. He was saying <laughs> a lot of progressive, crazy things. And I'm shaking my head going, where are you getting this from? Public and, school. Um, I'm sorry. Was in school <laughs> Did he go to public school? <laughs> yeah. But but it's not just that. It's like the kids think it's cool now. It, most kids rebel, right? So he was a Trump mm -hmm. guy when uh, Trump was running for office. 
And then once they get in the power, it's like the con and I'm not, I'm not denoting him. I don't want to, you know, minimalize what, what he's become because he's, yeah. but at that age, you kind of go like, you want to rebel. So like Trump was running for office against Obama and he was like the cool guy to get, you know, the people in power out of power. And then when Trump was in office, he went to the other side. It was you gravitate toward, oh, I don't like what's going on. They're in power now. And you gravitate toward, you know, home change and all this BS. It took him a while, but he's a smart guy. And he surprises me. The other, he was, I had no idea he paid his attention to my stuff the other day. He'll probably watch, I'm sure he's going to watch this interview. Um, and I'll, and I'll relay that before it airs, but he, um, he, 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 he called me he, the other day. He's like, Oh, I just saw you did an interview. It's like up to 50,000 views. And it was the Iverson show. And I was like, you watch that. I'm like, but he, now he'll come home and he'll like, he'll text me during the day and he'll be like, did you hear Colorado did this? Did you see this is happening? Did you see that? He's on top of it, but he's starting to pay attention. Like he's, he's now sounds like a, a well-rounded uh, person. And I, I, I know I, I emailed you too. And I'll tell your audience, uh, you, you do a great job. Uh, there are not enough people at your age. And I always forget you're a lot younger than me. Cause you, you <laughs> act like, you know, and Jaden too, when you hear him talk, he sounds like he's 40. Um, and it's so refreshing to have that where you guys are paying attention to the issues and you care about how people are going to be affected by issues and, you know, the minute, the minutia, not just Chuck Schumer giving a soundbite and gravitating toward it saying, oh, my God, climate change is the worst thing to happen. And no, let's pay attention. Let's let's ground ourselves for a minute. And he's done that. He's a really smart kid. I think he's going to go go far. He wants to be a lawyer. I was scared when he was a liberal and he wanted to be a lawyer. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> not another one of those. Um, but no, I think he's going to be a great lawyer and and he's starting to assert himself and and I'm proud of him and I'm proud of you. You do a great job. You got to keep it up. There are not enough people. I hope you inspire and he inspires some young people to um, step up, do a show, speak out, talk about these things in an open forum, because, you know, a lot of people are afraid to stick their neck out because you get I get criticized all the time. I, I If you saw the hate stuff I get, you know, oh, my God, it gets to you. Mm-hmm. I try to let it roll off, but some it gets to, especially when it's something you wrote. Or, you know, they don't understand and they want to argue with you or, you know, it's an opinion. You can't have a conversation civilly like you did with uh, uh, the the cool the guy with the cool handle. Yeah, um, uh, it, it is hard to do what we do in this aspect. Um, but but more people need to stick their neck out and say enough's enough. Let's let's fix this place. And if we can't fix it, we got to find a way to fix it, because, you know, if the current situation ain't, you know, ain't ain't, ain't level level, you know, what level like Colorado uh, mm-hmm. We got to speak up and say, hey, you know, you might not want him as president, but that's my right to say no and vote for the other guy. Not not you four judges to tell me that I'm not allowed to vote for the guy. Um, the, the government's trying too much to take away our freedoms. It happens every day. And we don't see it, but it's happening every day since this Constitution was founded and this country was founded. And uh, most of it's so minute people don't even notice it. Well, in in the words of Brandon Lewis, who owns the Tennessee Conservative um, newspaper here, um, if you don't do anything, it might get better on its own, but it could also get worse on its own. At least if you do something, you're doing something like, you know, to move in a particular direction and not just letting it go. Yes, except for Congress. Congress, sometimes doing nothing is better. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I heard, I heard your opinion on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that last night. Stay home and do nothing. The country would be better off. Oh, my goodness. Well, you, even when they try to do things, a lot of them can't because there's so many of them up there. It's like you really only can make so many decisions. So whatever. Yep. But what? Right. Yeah, whatever. 
But I think that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, Mike, thank you again for being here today. And thank you for the kind words um, and giving my show some credit with all the official grownups out there. So (laughs) you're a grownup too. My pleasure. Uh, Listen, anytime you want to rap about stuff and I want to have you on our show. So uh, most definitely let's get you on. And we have open mic Friday. You're welcome to come on tomorrow for open mic, but any other time you want to, you know, have a platform, we'd love to have you on. Totally down. Well, bye. (laughs) 